For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Patrick Maher out sick today. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. So the handsome level stays intact. Amal Shaw, Lark Sign, Dustin Sweetelson is here. <laughs> right? That's no, true. I mean, I got my own. My mom says I'm ruggedly handsome, whatever that means. Barrett Salee is with us, college football writer at CBS Sports, does a lot of stuff uh, in terms of watching Braves baseball. We'll talk about the Braves maybe a little bit later. Uh, Barrett, it's good to talk to you, man. So let's start with this because I was going over your Twitter account, and you, you, know, you tweeted out one of the articles up at CBS Sports. It's not an overreaction. It's not a hot take. Florida State really is that good. Walk us through what you watched yesterday, and is this legitimate that Florida State is going to push for a national title, maybe a championship? Yeah, it is. You know, I picked them to go to the playoff before the season, and I picked Jordan Travis to win the Heisman, and it was because that's a complete football team with weapons all over the place. And I I think you got a really good glimpse of just how complete that team is because in the first quarter, first half, really, uh, they let Jordan Travis let it loose uh, instead of running the football. In fact, I think uh, on the broadcast, uh, Fowler and Herbie even said, like, where's the running game? And Mike Norvell, I think, came in with a game plan to feature – the wide receivers, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman specifically, because it opened up those lanes on the ground in the second half. But I think the most interesting part, guys, is the fact that Keon Coleman was the star. Johnny Wilson's the best uh, wide receiver on that team. And the fact that Keon emerged, now it opened up a whole different world because you can't double both of those guys. So there are so many options now for Mike Norvell And you saw just how good of a play caller he was in that second half. And that's something that has followed him throughout his career, both at Florida State and at Memphis. So to me, it's it's the full package. And another thing, and I wrote this in my story, and I, I, I don't think it's been discussed enough. There were six different players that had a half tackle for loss or more. Not one of them is named Jared Burst. And championship caliber teams have to have eight or nine guys up front to rotate, and Florida State's got that. So it's, it's got the complete recipe for uh, any team that can win a college football playoff. And, you know, overall talent, you know, you go look at my colleague Bud Elliott's blue-chip ratio, Florida State's not in the blue-chip ratio. It's just outside. However, it's extremely, extremely experienced, and I think that makes up for a, a, not a deficiency in talent, but just not where the best of the best are right now. Barrett, love your report card on CBSSports.com. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. A couple of teams that you gave A-pluses to, and just kind of give me a brief thought on why you ranked them that high. Alabama was one of them. Washington, I know they destroyed uh, Boise. Boise, thank you. And, of course, you mentioned the Florida State one. But Bama and uh, Washington, tell me your thoughts on both those two teams. Well, what did we? Uh, what was the concern about Bama going in? The quarterback. quarterback. Yep. <laughs> what happened? Jalen Milrow happened. He, threw, he, he accounted for five touchdowns. So, you know, when you look at Alabama, there are some other questions, I guess, like maybe not a go-to receiver yet, uh, you know, things like that. But they're minor issues because Jalen Milrow 
can make up for some of that with his legs. So you're not going to have the downfield threat that Bryce Young, uh, you know, uh, that, that had, like, and Nick Saban even said, they became too Bryce heavy last year and, and two years ago for that matter. So I think the goal is to not necessarily stretch the field and you have Jalen Milrow to help uh, negate or at least, con- you know, kind of uh, pick up that slack. So, you know, Alabama, they answered the biggest question. And then Washington, I thought Boise State was going to put up a fight. That was a 14-point spread, and that game was over by the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, Michael Penix, I think everybody saw just how good he is. And I think looking back, guys, that Boise State team is actually going to be pretty darn good and might even contend for a New Year's Six bowl game. So, you know, it kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle because, you know, people were paying attention to other things. The the hangover from the Colorado TCU game was sort of in effect, but – that Washington team is legit, and I think that that win is going to look better and better as the season goes on. By the way, Barrett's a, a hard grader. Uh, Oregon, I think, dropped 10 million points in their game and only got a B plus. So uh, we got <laughs> well, to watch out. All right, go ahead. Well, all right. So my my personal made up rule. It's my story, so I make up my own rules, right? <laughs> uh, if, if, if you don't play an FBS team, you can't get an A. Okay. That's just that's just the rule. All right, I like it. That makes sense then. 81-7, of course, the final score there. All right, so let me ask you this. I wanted to bring this back to Florida State really quickly because we have seen in years past that even if you get a run to a national championship, of course, last year being the, the one that is in most recent memory, there's still a very clear and obvious gap between, you know, the others, we'll call them, and then, of course, the team that in these last few years has been the pinnacle, which is Georgia. What is that gap like between Florida State and Georgia? Should they make this run? How much can they make up that gap if it's still there for the Bulldogs and everybody else that they're taking on? Well, it's, it's signi- I wouldn't say it's significant. It's there. Is it the size of the Grand Canyon? N- no. Is it the size of the Chattahoochee River? Maybe. You know, I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, Georgia still lacks a little bit of experience, which is something that Florida State um, boasts. But I think we all know just how high the ceiling is for Georgia, uh, especially if Carson Beck develops into a superstar. So it, it's there. But I, I think Florida State is good enough to me anyway, where they put together 60 minutes, they can beat anybody, right? They can at least get to that point. And so that's one of those things that I think, you know, people kind of forget. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Georgia's a better team than Florida State. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But could Florida State be a better team on any given day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can put it together and and have 60 good minutes and win a national championship. By the way, if you're wondering where the Chattahoochee River is, that is in Georgia, and it runs from north to south there. Okay, thank you, because I was wondering. <laughs> I like the analogy there. Barrett, I want to go to my team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. You gave them a C plus. I got no problem with that grade, but tell me why you came out with that letter on them. Well, because, I mean, you needed to see something from Kyle McCord, right? Like, I, I think there are two ways to look at it, and, and Tom Luganville and I discussed this on, on SiriusXM Channel 84 yesterday. It's the, the defense playing well is probably more important than Kyle McCord not playing well. So I think that, but, but still, you need to have a quarterback who can light up Indiana, and, and Kyle's not that. So I think Ryan Day kind of scrambled a little bit. You know, he wanted Kyle to come out. He tried to give him a lot of, a lot of the playbook to, to make him comfortable, and it didn't happen. And so they went into that, to halftime, and kind of settled down, made some adjustments and simplified things. And Kyle played great in the third grade. He played okay in the third quarter. You can't live like that. You know, it's okay to do it, you know, in a few games per year, but you can't live like that. And so that happened in the first game. I mean, his second start, but the first game as, as the real starter, it's a little concerning. I get your point on McCord. I'll tell you what, though, for me, the big concern if you're Ohio State and Ryan Day was the offensive line. I thought Indiana looked mm-hmm. like Penn State's defensive front against them. I don't know how good or bad the Hoosiers are going to be defensively this year, but to me, that's the bigger concern when I look at Ohio State right now. It's a concern. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think it's with all those weapons, though, I think you can game plan around it most of the time. You have to be able to do it against the big boys, and you're not going to be able to do that, but you have 11 more or 10 more games before you play Michigan. So I think for – for Ohio State, yeah, um, but there, we've seen great coaches. I wouldn't say game plan around that for an entire season, but they know how to get past it and develop ways to sort of negate that. But, it, you know, I hate this cliche, but it is true. You know, you, you improve the most from weeks one to week two, and, you know, they got Youngstown State. So that's a pretty easy, uh, 
that's a pretty easy transition. So we'll see what happens this weekend. I'm surprised you guys haven't mentioned the biggest issue, which is Devin Brown wearing number 33 as a quarterback. Oh, my God, that drove me crazy. Oh, but it's Sammy Ball. But it's, it's, it's Sammy Ball. But, look, I – Barry, Barry, you're not even older than me. Stop it, please. He's like he's like 20, and he's paying tribute to Sammy Bob Barrett. That's an issue. It's weird. (laughs) Devin Gardner wearing 98 back in the day was was worse. Yeah, that was just all. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was a good call. All right, let's. We're burying the lead, so I'll ask you the question that I asked them all: Was that win over uh, for over TCU more about Colorado or TCU? It was still Colorado. Uh, TCU is not, not nearly as good as it was last year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They lost too much. But I think for Colorado, you know, it wasn't really a secret what they were doing. You know, they were letting Shadur rip it. Travis Hunter was doing everything. And Dylan Edwards was, um, you know, it was the center point on the running game. Like, that's, that's what everybody thought going in. I don't think anybody expected it to work that well. So, but it did. And that's something they can build off of. You know, I, I said before the season, and I think, Amal, you were on our show this offseason. Uh, off you might have said it, too, that Colorado's uh, three and a half is probably too high for their win total. And now, like, to me, because of what we saw, because TCU knew what was coming and couldn't do anything about it, Colorado's a bowl, a bowl team. And, and TCU, you know, it's, <laughs> I think defensively, they kind of got caught up in a whirlwind and kind of guys – you go back, they've lost three of their last four games and played in the national championship game. All three, all four of those, in reality, their defense really, really struggled. So I'm not going to say they didn't deserve it last year. They did, but, you know, I, I think defensively they've got some issues that they really didn't work out at the end of last season and really didn't address or haven't addressed to the point where they can contend this year. Barrett, we got the last uh, minute with you here really quickly. Can Travis Hunter keep this workload up over 120 snaps <laughs> for 12 games? No, right. no. They better have like ten cryo uh, beds in that place. Where like you know, like the the tanning bed things where you freeze yourself for like three minutes. If this keeps up, he's going to have to do it for an hour at a time. Which I mean, that there's no way. Yep. Barrett, Barrett, I got a quick question for you. My boss going to get mad at me, but what else is new? So like, have you already started yeah. chilling the champagne for October? What's going on? Your Braves scored about a million runs. Acuna finalized the MVP. And now you guys look like you might actually go back-to-back or whatever the hell you guys are doing just winning. Yeah, so I've got a pickup truck, so I've got all the champagne. Like, the ice is already, uh, you know, sitting there. I've got bags of ice. I'm dumping them out. I'm trying – like, every day I kind of drive to the drive through liquor store, and I'm like, hey, fill it up with another bottle because we're going to have a lot of fun this September and October. So it's getting to that point, yeah. drive through liquor store. i got to check out one of those. Barrett Salee, CBS Sports. Barrett, really enjoy your work. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, y'all. See you. Thank you. Yeah, the workload for Hunter is going to be incredible to watch because he's down to 40-1 to win the Heisman. I don't know if they're going to continue to give him that workload. Uh, It'll be interesting. Certain situations, I think you kind of reduce it, but it'll be fun to watch. I always like it. He brings a ton of great knowledge to college football. By the way, guaranteed to remember anything else I've ever said. You remember I said under on three and a half on Colorado. Okay, all right. We'll come back. we got plenty left to get to. I think we're going to go with more college football. How about that? Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. 
Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Get rewarded before you ever place a bet with the G-Bank Visa Signature Card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as cash advance, the G-Bank Visa Signature Card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a 1% cash rewards on gaming and sports app loads every time and 2% on other purchases. G-Bank Visa is a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere and works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to g.bank slash vsin. That's g.bank slash vsin. A man who always earns 2% on his loads, Amal Shaw, along with Dustin Sweetelson, is here. I thought you'd appreciate that one. <laughs> I don't know how you do that read, and everyone just doesn't go, G-Bank. Oh, so yeah, I should probably do that. It's probably a dated reference, though. Yeah. I do mean, kids know G-Unit other I, than Greg Peterson? I, I can't be getting no here's the thing. off the street. Well, here's the thing. Do we think that Jay Greg actually knows G Unit, or does he just under- know the term and then took it? Yeah. Do you think someone has been like, "Yeah, you're nicknamed after G Unit," you know, like the group? And he's like, "What?" And they showed him the group, and he he was like taken back, like, "I didn't know this is what I was named after." Oh, I I'm willing to bet in the order of shows that would be able to make the reference and understand it. This is probably the top of the odds board. This one, follow the money, maybe. maybe yeah. yeah. Maybe half of them. Yeah. And then, what about uh, Sean and Tim? Yeah, probably that's probably up it. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean, Tim, Sean's, Tim Sean's clearly. Tim clearly. Sean's uh, mine and Patrick's age. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. All right. I mean, it just could they could, over under G unit members you could name right now off the top uh, of your head? None, none. Uh, I, I, banks. I have I have terrible memory. Tony well, Yayo. I, I think we talked about this before. Once I'm done with information, I just flush it out of the brain. Was Young Buck in G unit? Let's go with it. Come on, guys. Okay. I apologize. You just got to think of the songs because they say their names at some point. Well, that's the old school rap thing. I don't think that many people do it anymore, but yeah. Well, now it's all the mumble rap stuff, which is. Which you can't understand them anymore. Yeah, of course. Of course. All right. What I can't understand, how about this? Make this transition. How bad the market setters got their heads caved in over the weekend. So I thought this was absolutely really fascinating when we watched this happen. A lot of the line moves that you saw transpire with these opening numbers from week zero through week one, dead wrong. Like, dead wrong. A lot of them. And what was crazy was, and I think it goes back to a mall something you pointed out, which is we don't know much. So when the people who we deem smarter than us who shape the markets start to head in one direction, there's a lot of people who are like, I got to be on that side because I'm not entirely sure. I can tell you how many starters are coming back, but we still don't really know. But it was fascinating to watch. I mean, we can go down the list. Obviously, Hawaii was a really big one, right? Hawaii yeah. gets steamed all the way down to two and a half. Stanford keeps him at arm's length the entire time. You were never in it, from all the numbers, by the way. Correct. Opening of ten and a half all the way to the close of two and a half. But there were so many others. We could talk about Bowling Green, Colorado State. Go down the list where all of these teams were getting a ton of support and steam chasing, and they couldn't cover a vast majority of the numbers. What, what do we make of this? Because there are people who will go, Dustin, you know, closing line value doesn't matter. And, like, that's – I don't think that is the lesson to take from something like that. Well, I think in week one it, it's irrelevant because I think it's the, it's the one time where the better 
and the bookmaker know the least about these teams. So I think that the gap between the knowledge is the smallest. I personally always do my best betting in college football week one, week two, week three. And once we get into conference play, that's when things kind of come back for me most years. Like even sometimes week three. But week one and week two, I find that there is there are opportunities to say, I think they got this number slightly wrong. So I think steam chasing, if that's your sort of thing, it's not my style of betting. But if you're going to do that, I think it plays out better once these guys know more about these teams. Can I Really quick, can I yeah, get a stat before you go? Uh, this one, Brad Powers. Uh, Three-point or more line moves, side and total, off of Circus Sportsbook College Football openers for week one and zero. Versus the open, 20 and 24 against the spread. Versus the close, 16 and 28 against the spread. Wow. Just abysmal. No question about it. But, you know, Johnny Avell and I were talking one day, and you're, you're absolutely right. You still want to get, the, obviously, the best of the number. That's kind of mm -hmm. common sense. But college football, and this is what Johnny and I were saying, you shouldn't be as concerned about a certain move. Look, in the NFL, if a line, for example, Ravens, uh, Bengals, if the line's four and it comes down to three and a half or three, obviously a major concern there, depending on what side you're coming out on. But college football, people get so, oh, this one went from seven to five and a half. I'm like, look, there's so much scoring. There's so much inconsistency with special teams, so many different variables in play that I think you have an advantage. There are going to be games, yeah, it lands on the number, comes into play. Florida State, LSU, there's not a number in the world that covered if you had LSU. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing if you had Florida State. doesn't matter what the number was. You covered nah. it to. I mean, it, when they went up uh, that late touchdown, I might have got you on an in-game number. huh? Well, it, come on. This guy. Oh hey, you said God, not a guy. number in the world. I'm just saying I want to be accurate for our audience. Also, I'd love he's, to he's, prove he's you're like wrong. Three, he's like three. I know he's like three and oh against me today. That's uh, why I'm a little more into it. Just got to dunk <laughs> as much as possible, you know? I'm it's, like a tennis, for, it's like a tennis set. I just got a match. I just got bageled at I'm, the U.S. Uh, Open I'm only here. here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I don't want to – sorry, you mentioned something that really stuck out to me. I've been watching a lot of tennis lately. Yeah. I didn't know bagel was a stat that they kept. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal to get bagels. Yeah, I had I, no I, idea. I was keeping track of bagels. Or I had four this weekend. <laughs> what kind? Everything? Uh, everything, yeah. Those are the best. Number one. Although I, I'm kind of leaning towards sesames lately. Is it because of the cocaine? No, that's uh, that's Poppy. Poppy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not as well versed on his recreational drug use. Yeah, still. That's a win <laughs> By the way, if you're doing stuff with sesame seeds and wondering why you're not getting yeah. high, that's why. I mean, all these years I've been wondering. <laughs> um, getting, getting back to what we were talking I totally, about here. I, I don't totally, even know where we're going. Go ahead, totally Jamie. Totally derailed you. Okay, I, fine. Go ahead. How about this? This is why I like these conversations, okay? Because we can talk about, like, all sorts of things, but in reality the conversation should be, yeah, it was a week of variance. Move on. Because closing line value more often than not is going to help you out. I mean, Powers also followed it up the last two years. He's been keeping track of this. Uh, the closing line moves of three years or uh, three points or more side in total from Circus Sports, you know, same parameters. Uh, versus the open in 2022, 62.4% versus the close, 49.2%. 2021 versus the open, 61.7%. And then versus the open in 2020, 57%. So in other words, what we're saying here is small sample size, a lot of variance. More often than not, it still matters to get the best number, to your point. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. It's in any situation. You're going to try and get the best of the number. I just want to ask you real quick, because uh, JVT, we have not talked to you about this. I am going to be apparently wrong, it seems like, on Michael Penix. Dustin loves Penix, loves Kalen DeBoer, this offense. And look, uh, Roma Dunzier, Jalen uh, McMillan, uh, they've got absolute dudes at the receiver position at Washington. They came within five yards of having three receivers having a 100-yard game each. What's your take on Washington, McMillan, I, I like Kellen DeBoer, so no qualms there, but just kind of give me your breakdown. Can they compete and win the league? What, is it Utah, USC, or even Oregon, UCLA, oh, Colorado? I, who do you like in that league? I mean, I, I would say absolutely I think they can. I mean, my question would really be, last year I wanted to make sure I got the number right, they were 117th in EPA per play defensively. That is something that they've obviously got to get better. When you're in a conference that has the level of quarterback play that it, did, that it does, you can score as often as you want, but if you can't get stops, then it's going to be a problem for you. I think offensively, they've got everything that they possibly need. From quarterback to wide receiver, I like their offensive line. I think the real question is, are they going to be in a position where they're going to have to win shootout after shootout 
because their defense isn't going to be good enough to hold teams down. See, that's what I feel like the situation is. Dustin, anything changed for you with this Washington team? Is the, I mean, is the offense that much better than last year? I mean, the, the offense was elite minus the game against UCLA where the Bruins really stifled them. They but, led the country in EPA per play last year, Washington. By the way, real quick, give the people the breakdown in terms of what EPA is. Many people may not know no, that. No, expected points added is essentially how much you're adding as an offense. And a lot of it has to do with like field position, where you're at, down a distance. But it's a really good metric to give you an idea of how often and how successful offenses are, or defenses for that matter, if you're allowing it so what i'd say is coming off the boise state game is i was a little bit nervous in the first half like it, it took washington they went scoreless in the in the first quarter and then once once they really found a groove in the second they dropped 28 and but that first quarter i was like what are they doing are they just feeling them out seeing what they can get away with what they're looking at and just i guess they were confident that they were going to be able to hit certain big plays later so they were slow out of the gates just kind of feeling boise out once they got going they started going downhill that offense is really tough to keep up with. Yeah. Obviously, we know that they have two of the best receivers in the country, but like they were just so much more physical, those receivers, at getting the ball and making plays after the catch that that makes them dangerous. My only concern with Washington, really, because the, the O-line's good. I like the defense. They return a lot of guys. My only concern is that the Pac-12 is so deep, I am terrified that they're going to get knocked off by someone that they theoretically shouldn't. No, I would agree with that. I did bet them, I believe, 30 or 40 to 1 before the game kicked off to, to win the national title. I only have like two futures for college, maybe three or four futures for college football. Yeah, got and one. You chose the Huskies. Chose Washington. Let's see. I can tell you what I bet because I don't even remember half of it. Uh, it's fair while you're looking it up. I mean, look, I think the league's going to be incredible. I think they've got the best quarterback playing college football. We see so many teams that are kind of restructuring at the quarterback position. Uh, we talked about with Alabama, Carson Beck with a little bit of a slower start maybe than you'd want if you're Georgia, but they got plenty of time, right? They've got to just be ready mm -hmm. for Rocky Top and the SEC title game, so they're in good position. Here's all I got. I got the 100-1 to Jalen Milrow. I've got Washington 40-1. to I've got Braylon Allen 80-1 to to win the Heisman. And I've got LSU 10-1 to to win the national championship. JVT, there's not, so a bigger, life. there's not a bigger Braylon Allen fan in college football than me, but when he said that, I was like, Who? I mean, you'll like it even more. I've got Tanner Mordecai at 150 to 1 to win the Heisman. I tell you so. what, though. We're all very high on Wisconsin this yeah. year. Didn't love how they looked against Buffalo. I've got one national championship bet. It's Clemson, 18 to 1 to win a national title. Let's talk about that with our next guest who's going to join us here. Matt Connolly used to cover him for about five years. He's going to join us when we come back here on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. NFL season's coming up in a couple of days. Make sure you check out the updated NFL betting guide. It is out, of course. Throughout the NFL preseason, our VSIN experts have been reevaluating every team, every number to give you the betting edge. Updated NFL guide has picks from every on air host team-specific preseason analysis, and more like football contest strategies. If you want the best and most comprehensive collection of picks, predictions, and previews, now's the time. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for as low as 19 bucks, or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription. Bet smarter all year long. Sign up today, vsin.com slash subscribe. Well, Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Patrick Maher. Amal Shaw is alongside as well. Let's welcome in Matt Connolly on 3.com, the site, if you want to go check out the work. Matt, we appreciate the time. Uh, so I wanted to open up with a team used to cover intently. That would be Clemson. I was telling the guys, I have one national championship bet, and I thought 18-1 to 1 on Clemson was a good number. I like the change in terms of offensive coordinator. I think you can get a little bit more out of Klubnik, and I think it's a team, obviously, with some win equity. Are we forgetting about Clemson in the grand scheme of things, especially after what we saw Florida State do last night? That's interesting. Um, I think if I had one pick, I would actually take Florida State. And, and going into the year, I was really high on them. Just adding Keon Coleman um, at receiver, I thought he would be a difference maker, which you know he, had, he clearly had a great game last night. Jordan Travis, I think I uh, trust more than Kate Klumnick at this point. Um, obviously, Jared Burst on defense. You know, I, I just think they have a ton of talent that they brought in. So I'm I'm kind of higher on Florida State going into the year. I picked Florida State to win the ACC. Um, you know, I do think that, that Clemson can surprise some people, though, and I think we'll learn a lot tonight. You know, you know it's really kind of hard to know what to expect when you look at Kate Klumnick, um, how much of it was the Clemson offense last year was uh, struggling because of DJ Uyunglele, how much of it was the offensive coordinator, Brandon Streeter. Um, can Kate Klumnick kind of step in and, and – 
he and Garrett Riley have some history. As, as Garrett recruited him when he was at TCU, so they know each other. So how does that kind of work out? Does that work in Clemson's favor? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to, to see kind of what happens tonight and really throughout the season. Um, still only a few weeks away from Clemson-Florida State, which I think will be a great game. So, yeah, I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode on Clemson, uh, but definitely think that they have a pretty high ceiling this year. All right, let's, uh, we're, we're done here. He doesn't agree with me. No, oh, no, I, I actually <laughs> wanted to, I wanted to extend the conversation because Matt, I'm in agreement with you. I've got Florida State winning the league. I need them to win it. I bet them to win the ACC, and I, I'm complete agreement. Let's go to the other side of the ball. This Clemson team has been tremendous. When uh, obviously Venables was there as the defensive coordinator, ton of talent coming back this year on the defensive side of the ball. Particularly Trotter should have a big year for this team. Tell me what you like about this team on the defensive side of the ball. And then, uh, real quickly, what challenges does Riley Leonard present from Duke, who many people probably have not seen play? Yeah, I think Clemson is loaded talent-wise defensively. You know, I think it starts up front with Tyler Davis, uh, Peter Woods, Ruka Roro, Xavier Thomas. I mean, they just have a lot of guys, particularly at defensive tackle, uh, that, that I think are excellent players. You mentioned Jeremiah Trotter at linebacker. They have another linebacker, Barrett Carter, who I think is right up there with him as far as one of the best linebackers in the country. Um, you know, there are some question marks about the secondary, I think. And you kind of saw last year that group really struggled at times when you look at the Wake Forest game where Sam Hartman put up all kinds of, of yards and touchdowns against them. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, even without Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt put up over 300 yards passing. And, and Joe Milton looked really good in that game. So definitely still some question marks, I think, on the back end of that defense. But I really like the front seven, um, you know, I think Riley Leonard is just, if you haven't watched him, uh, definitely tune in tonight. He just makes a ton of plays. He can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his leg. He does a great job of extending plays. Um, you know, I think Clemson, for Clemson, the key is just trying to get pressure on him and, and interrupt his timing, uh, try to get into the backfield, kind of make him make throws before he wants to, maybe get him on the run some and, and you know, make those tackles. I think Clemson has a very athletic front and, and has some 300-plus pounders that can really move. So it'll be a big challenge for him tonight for sure. Uh, but he's definitely a really good player. They've got Jalen Calhoun at receiver. I don't know if people know a lot about. He's he's quietly one of the best receivers in the ACC. So it's a tough test uh, for Clemson. You know, I really like Mike Elko, their head coach as well. He, he does a great job defensively. So it'll be a, it'll be a tough test in week one for sure. You kind of see that in the spread right around 13 points or so. It's not like, you know, this is a 25, 30-point spread or it's just expected to be a blowout from start to finish. I think it'll be a pretty competitive game tonight. Yeah, we should uh, know for our audience, too, as I was walking in, the number actually dipped down to 11.5, but came right back wow. up to uh, 12, 12.5, which is the consensus number as of now. Matt Connolly's with us on 3.com. So, Matt, I was going through uh, the website. I know one of the articles you wrote uh, was about Georgia and Kirby Smart, the conversation about maybe complacency when it comes to Georgia. Uh, what was the takeaway from that other than, hey, man, look, this is a team with a lot of big aspirations, and it's hard to get up when you are clearly the better, you know, the better competition and kind of working out the kinks before the schedule really gets started? Yeah, and I think with Georgia, you know, I think they'll be just fine. I know they got off to a little bit of a slow start Saturday, but that's just a team that's loaded. Um, you know, I think when when the schedule gets a little bit tougher, when they start playing, not the South Carolina, not the South Carolina look great, but when you see them line up against South Carolina with that crowd there with a um, three thirty start, I think everyone will be ready to go. So yeah, I mean Georgia, I think is still the most talented team in the country um you know obviously working in a new quarterback we'll kind of see how how that goes and how he looks once the talent gets uh, or once the competition gets a little bit tougher but definitely uh definitely i don't know kirby smart just has a way of not letting his team get complacent um I, you know i think a lot of people expected some complacency last year it never really happened they kind of played with a chip on their shoulder all year and obviously went on and just completely dominated tcu in the national title game so Still think Georgia's loaded, and, and I think Kirby's, you know, right there as far as the best coach in college football right now when it comes to really everything, but but in particular not letting his guys get complacent and making sure they're ready to go. And, and I think you'll see that as the year progresses. Remember last year, Malti, uh, was at the end of the national championship game. One of them claimed that nobody believed in us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone thought we were going seven and five. Right? Yeah. You, you know, you know what? It's like when Georgia wins a national title, they go what? They go fifteen and zero last year. 
It's like somebody wins mm-hmm. Miss USA and they're like, yeah, nobody believed in me. Come on, give me a break. I mean, you were expected to be there all year. I've been doubted my whole life. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the most beautiful women on the planet. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt, real quick, uh, just from the weekend, give me, or even going back to the opening weekend, uh, your best positive surprise and a negative surprise from two teams so far. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think probably Notre Dame and Florida State have, have been pretty big. I, I wouldn't say surprises necessarily. Like sure. I think I thought that both of those teams would be really good, but I think it's kind of confirmed what I thought about them. You know, when you have Notre Dame, you have a really good offensive line, a really good defense, and now you add Sam Hartman to it, who, you know, like we, like we mentioned earlier, broke all kinds of records at Wake Forest, really had his way with Clemson last year even – so they lost that game. I think that, that they're kind of quietly a, a legit uh, title contender. Um, I think Florida State, just what they did last night against LSU, they just have so much talent all over the field. Um, when you have Johnny Wilson on one side, Keon Coleman on the other, Jaheim Bell at tight end, who's really good, Trey Benson at running back. Um, I, you know, I think that they're just loaded uh, from top to bottom, particularly on offense. And so those would be two that, that I think have really stood out so far. Um Negative surprises, I don't know that I would say a team as much as maybe just the, uh, the SEC as a whole. You know, I think that a lot of what's expected from them this year, um, as it is every year, and you have Florida go out and look like it, it, you know, just wasn't ready to play. I mean, so many pre-snap penalties and, and lining up wrong and all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't expect to see from a team like Florida. Uh, South Carolina couldn't block North Carolina at all, one of the worst defenses in the country last year, and, and they end up losing by 14, um, and then LSU last night. You know, I know that was a popular pick to to win the SEC West um, and, and potentially make the playoff right there alongside with Alabama. And they just really, I mean, you know, I, I think they had some breaks early uh, to, to kind of allow them to keep staying in the game with some of the officiating. But really, they got manhandled for a lot of that game. So I, I would say the SEC as a whole has kind of been a little bit of a disappointment so far. On3.com with Matt Connolly here. All right, last 90 seconds, Matt. Let's spin this ahead to next weekend. Uh, Rice made Texas and Quinn Ewers look like eh, kind of average. Second half was much better. They're catching 7.5 on the road against Alabama this weekend. What's your expectations? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I like Alabama. Um, you know, I, I think – I don't know. I just trust Nick Saban, and I know that it kind of it's kind of been weird with Alabama because at one point – I think Alabama was kind of going under the radar and everyone's saying, you know, no one believes in Alabama, no one believes in Alabama. And then you get to get to the preseason, everyone's kind of picking them. I know all the college game day guys, I think, had them making the playoffs. So I do think the tide's kind of turned a little bit as far as Alabama going from a, a trendy um, team that's kind of going under the radar to now maybe a lot of people do have them winning, winning it all or at least making the playoffs. But I don't know. I just trust Alabama. Um, I trust Saban more. I trust that defense, I thought Milrow looked pretty good. Obviously, the competition wasn't great, but I thought he looked pretty good. I think he's a, a obviously a freak athlete and is really dangerous with a ball in his hand. So I, I think I trust Alabama more in that one, but it should be a great game. Matt, we appreciate the time, Matt. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. On3.com three, three where you can find Matt's work. You know, what, you know how I know it's college football season outside of the fact that we've spent the last hour and a half and two hours talking about this? The amount of people I talk to with Southern Draw – like skyrockets it's like i I was talking about uh, paul stone just yesterday i was like man yeah i'm talking to a lot of people like this huh all right we'll take our break we got plenty left to get to here on sharp money we still have to get to plenty including some bets that i've already made for next week in college football i know we've been looking at quite a few as well don't go anywhere we are live from the d2 so if you're around stop by Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Best Thursday of the year is coming up, and it's all about NFL opening night. Football's back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is hooking new customers up with a can't-miss offer to celebrate. Place your first $5 NFL bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Don't wait till kickoff to get in on the hype. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. and Use code SHARP. New customers get $200 in bonus instantly when you bet just $5. That's code SHARP. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Patrick Maher here on Sharp Money. Is the code sharp because of the show? Uh, that would be correct, Jonathan. Cool. I like that. Got to change that up. The promo code JVT every once in a while, huh? Ooh. Ooh. So it's got a nice, you know, flow. You want the individual one, though? I mean, you host like seven I'm, different shows. I mean, my ego would need it, yeah. <laughs> so I would like it very much so. Uh, we do uh, So you had, Dustin's a very good producer, and he, he asked right before he came out, like, hey, what are we doing here? You know, we, we plan. We have a rundown, but we bounce around everywhere. And um, we're going to do what Dustin wants because he's the producer. But I will have to start with something. We are here at the D, right? We're live at the D. Love this place. Dustin has gone potty twice now. Yeah. I, I drink a lot of coffee. Yep. You've walked by what establishment both times? Bacon Nation? No. Uh, What's right next to the bathroom? Oh, Antiamo. So we had we have to I have to settle this because, I mean, I feel like maybe Dustin just want to hang out with me or something. No, we're going to do it. So we had a bet, the UTEP and Jacksonville State game. I had UTEP. He had Jacksonville State. The look is great. It's exactly why. Go ahead. I was just going to say there's only one thing. Oh, when you were U- out that day, man. Yeah, I was out. He was. When, when it's UTEP, it's always you take them points. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so I had UTEP and I lost. So we put Andiamo on it. So we got to, yeah, I got to, I got to. Is it just you and me? Is your wife coming? We- so, you know, it's funny you say that because I told my wife about how I made a bet with you and that we lost, and she goes, wow, that sucks for you that you have to take both of us to dinner. And I was <laughs> like, all right. I like your wife. I'm ready to hang well, out. Where, when are you guys going? I want to know because. I will show up there. I, they have the best chocolate dessert. How's I'm not their a seafood dessert. tower, Amal? What's that? How's the seafood tower? I have no idea. Well, it's a hundred something dollars, so I think I'm going to find out. So this is this is part of it. I will take whatever punishment I get, but this is part of the fascinating conversation because immediately when my guy Dana Dibble blew that thing, that was incredible. By the way, those last two play calls, I still won't forget well, them. Oh, Bobby, I sent you. I think what three words. 
Be nice to me. Yeah, but also uh, Rich Rod tried to lose it for me as of well. Course. With four minutes to go, brought in his backup quarterback who is slower than his starting quarterback and had three straight designed runs Dude, with I, the lead. That was I, incredible too. I tell you what, I miss Rich Rod in Morgantown because Pat White and Steve Slayton were money-making machines. I miss Rich Rod in Ann Arbor because Michigan was terrible. Tate Forcier? <laughs> was that him? Yep, Tate Forcier. Man. God, I wish Rich Rod got a lifetime contract in Ann Arbor. Well, he's stuck in Jacksonville State, and I thank him for the free dinner at Andiamo via the Von Tobles. That's right. So you got, we got to pick a date. I've offered. So the, que the question I was pondering to myself today was, like, you love Clemson. Do I double down and back Duke today in the points? I, you know, guys, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been sitting there going back and forth in this game. I like the offense. Clemson's a team's got 16 returning starters, eight on both sides of the ball. JVT, I don't know if you watched the Orange Bowl between Clemson and uh, Tennessee. Last year? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did, but it, it, the memory is good. On every play, uh -huh. Clay Cub Klubnik would take the snap. It would be Clemson ball at the Tennessee 40. He'd be at his own 35-yard line trying to complete the pass. Mm. I was like, what is this kid doing? This is not high school football. You can't be going back 25 yards on the play. It's going to be interesting to see what adjustments he's made. I think Will Shipley's an incredible talent. Uh, but I don't think they've necessarily utilized him as well as they could have and should have during his tenure so far well, that's part of That's part of his handicap. Right. And I think Garrett Riley coming in from the Sunny yeah. Dyke system, like that's, that is why when we bring it back to DJU, right, the fact that I, why I think he's got such a high ceiling because you changed the system. And that I think that's even, am I wrong? That's an admission on Clemson's part that their offense really like did DJU Uyangalule no service by the way that they handled their play calling. I, I, I hated it last year. And so now you bring in a guy like Garrett Riley, who's been in a good offensive system under Sonny Dykes for a long time, that is going to be able to take advantage and use guys like Shipley, put Klubnik in better position, coach him up a little bit more. So I was actually, as I mentioned, when I was walking in and I saw this get down to 11.5, I was like, ooh, how low is this going to get? Can I get in on Clemson here and kind of test my theory that I think this team's undervalued? Now that we're back up again, 11.5, 12.5, not a massive difference. I want to see what the number does, but I do think Clemson is live to cover this number only in that I believe that this offense is going to be better. And the most important part, it is a team with a bunch of returning production defensively that is still a very good defense. I get what you're saying, but I also think Duke is very well coached. they got 19 yep. starters back themselves. They've got a veteran quarterback who's like Daniel Jones 2.0, maybe actually better, better than yes. Riley Leonard. Yes. Like, this guy uses his legs, he uses his arm. They've got a solid number one receiver, a good number two receiver. Like, they have a good running back tandem. They have a really good defensive-minded head coach. Help 12 and a half, 13 feels like a little big, but, like, it's right on the cusp of – if Clemson starts starts dropping points and Klubnik plays to his five-star potential, it could be hard for Duke to hang with them against what, what should be a, a revamped good Clemson so, defense. So I don't have the number in front of me right now, but just running the math on it, it's, we're seeing 12.5 and 54.5 on the game numbers itself. But the one thing I was potentially looking at, guys, in this one is taking Duke under 21 points, okay. if, if that's where you can find the Duke total at. And the reason I say that, JVT, is still to me – I still believe in this Clemson defense. Yeah, they may not be consistent. They may not be as good as some of the defenses in the past. 20 and it, a half right now at ah, DraftKings at least. That's, a, that's interesting because that, that's a crucial number there. Even instead of having 21 as a potential push if you're looking at the under. Could I interest you, well not you, but you, Amal, in a Duke first half plus seven and a half? New system for Clemson to figure out. Klubnik is still hasn't thrown a ton of passes at the uh, FBS level yet. Maybe Duke with some more veterans coming back and keep it to within a touchdown in the first half. So we talked about your guy Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards being the best combination in, in college football. I don't know if it's as a guarantee of them being the best combo at running back as Will Shipley and Phil Moffa at Clemson. Will Shipley can jump over anybody, can hurdle anybody. Moffa's a tremendous change of pace to what Shipley is. He's strong. He runs the ball well between the two tackles. Oh, God, I don't know, guys. I, this is a great Monday night game on paper, but this, to me, feels like this is a game that could go in Clemson's favor. I'm going to be pulling for the Blue Devils if I don't play the game for sure. But, man, I, I don't know, guys. Do you guys have a strong opinion one way or the other? He does. I don't. I'm trying to find one. Maybe I go Duke first quarter plus three and a half. Yeah. I don't hate that one. I, I don't I love don't, it. I don't, I don't, I don't love that lo play. I don't love any. I'm talking myself into sure. all of these. Well, you know what? Hold on a second. That's a good lesson right there, JVT. 
You know, we, we talk, obviously, betting and everything like that. And the one thing you got to ask yourself, are you doing, hey, you're going to throw a few bucks in the game for entertainment because you may not be interested in these teams, you're going to watch it tonight. Or are you doing it seriously to make money and monetize? If you're doing that, then you know what? If you don't like the game, then you should do one of two things. Not bet it or wait for an in-play opportunity that you deem to be a much better number. There's no reason because it's a Thursday, Monday night game, you should bet it. The best advice I ever got in betting was one time. South Carolina and somebody was playing when those, you know, those middle-of-the-pack SEC, ACC teams, we used to play those Thursday night games in the 90s. So I said, I like this side. And the friend of mine goes, if this game were on Saturday, would you bet it? I said, no chance. He goes, so then why the hell are you betting it now? I can understand that. Well, you're just making it so that he has to definitely buy my steak dinner now. Yep. Him a chance he's, to he's, he's trying down. to give me now. No, no I'm, just, no, I'm saying um, from both sides, not just you guys, but just anybody else. Like, look at it from the standpoint of, hey, is it a game you genuinely like? Sure. Now, here's my thing, and this is what we've I've done a lot on the live bet shows as well. We've talked about before. What I like to watch for in these games, too, is when you have these opening drives that are obviously scripted and very, very game plan heavy, right? right? Generally, those are more successful than you think they are. So if you get Duke to come out with their opening drive, go right downfield, open up a, a seven-point lead potentially on their opening scripted drive, it's going to be a good opportunity to come in on Clemson. The, the best example that I can think of immediately from the weekend, I know, Dustin, you were on them. USF immediately went down and went up 7 nothing over Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky then gave the ball back again on a punt. But in that game, and I think it was the first or second quarter, with USF having the ball, a team that was like an 11-and-a-half-point favorite was a two-and-a-half-point favorite in-game. Yeah, but what, what makes that difficult, and, and by the way, USF definitely hung with them way longer than yes. I I was not feeling great about that bet till the fourth quarter where, where WKE was able but to. But if you like two-and-a-half in the first quarter. But here's, here's my question, though. If I'm doing that and I like Western Kentucky, they get the ball first and they drive down and right. score. Oh, it's not All a of a sudden, form. I can't bet them yep. anymore. No. It's not a perfect strategy, although the other side of it is the market really bet this game down. So we're talking about, I think, i got to pull up my odds screen with too many tabs open. Open 58, we're down to 54.5. Yeah. The, the, the inverse of that is, okay, maybe not sidewise, but if you get an opening drive touchdown, oh. that total is going to go up. You can go right back under. I, I love the point you just made there, and especially once you get past 56, 55, and 54, yep. all potential landing spots in terms of the number on the total, something to consideration there. Yeah, we, um, we'll have to get to a more, of course. We have a ton to get to when it comes to next week's action. we got a couple of bets uh, already in the bank, but we'll see what happens tonight. I'll make a decision by the end in terms of what I want to play. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. They just took a shot of, like, us above, and I'm like, that is the least flattering shot of my body anyone's ever seen. Can I seen. see it? Can I see it? It's the – what are we do? – don't do this to me. i got dating profiles i got to fill Let's out. Oh, I like it. It's a good-looking shot. All right, we'll come back. Brian Howell is going to join us, Colorado beat writer. Let's find out. Do you believe – I don't. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, the Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> 